Hello and welcome to What We Couldn't Say on Sunday. We're back here. Um, we had just finally gotten caught up on these last time we recorded one, hadn't yeah, we? Yeah, we, we, we maybe were getting too excited that we were consistent. <laughs> and now we're a little behind again. Yes. But we're going to get a lot closer to getting caught up today. Yes. Yeah, Ross has been sick, and I've been sick too, actually. Yeah? Yeah, and uh, a lot's been going on, but a lot of good things. A lot of good things going on in, our, in the church. A lot of people serving others on the front lines. And That's right. A lot of heavy stuff, too. A lot of heavy stuff. Yeah, so we, we as pastors, we appreciate your prayers, especially yeah. um, right now. Um, great. Well, we get to a chance to talk about your, your sermon on giving from last Sunday. Um, and of course, we always start out with the question, what, what did you say on Sunday? So yeah. um, what, yeah. did you, what did you say, man? Well, I, I, I take issue with you saying sermon on giving. Oh, is that, was that, yes. was that, a, was that an oops? Yeah. Well, the reason why I say that is because I'm not, <coughs> I'm not after in the message people to give. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm after their heart. I'm after their treasure and their master. And I think a necessary overflow of having the right treasure the right eye, and the right master, which is the three-part breakdown of the passage in Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Yeah. And sadly, guys, the, the the sermon was it didn't record. We've had technical difficulties two weeks in a row now, so it's another lost sermon of APC. Yes. Um, and legendary. So, a legendary lost sermon. Yes, it's legendary, yes. <laughs> um, and uh, if you want to, 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 to go over that, you're welcome to reach out. We can sit down and go over those passages with you. But um, the passage breaks down in three sections, which are all interlaid, interconnected. But you're, Jesus is helping us understand finances and our hearts, really, um, by looking at different angles. And, and what we see from Jesus is it's never about the money. It's about the heart. And that's why he talks about money because it's so deeply connected to our hearts. And so, again, that's why I said not giving because he talks about two treasures. Then he talks about two eyes. And then two masters, and so basically, where where's your treasure? <coughs> what what you're putting your uh, what you put your treasure into is what you ultimately where your heart is at. Yeah. Are you going to put your treasure in earthly places that will perish that you can't take with you when you die, mm-hmm. or are you putting it into heavenly storehouses into heavenly treasure that will never be taken from you? And so, I love that term that phrase from Randy Alcorn: "You can't keep it." Can't hold on to it, but you can send it ahead of you. Yeah, right. Like everything is going to go in that Confederate, dude. In that Confederate um, currency illustration, just amazing. Yeah, it, yeah. it nails it. Right, and and again, if you were in the South during the Civil War, and you know for the fact the North is winning, and you have tons of Confederate car- c- currency, what are you going to do? Or you'd be dumping it like yeah. there's no tomorrow. Right, you're going to there isn't tomorrow. It. Right, you're going to exchange it as quick as possible, as much as possible, just. Enough to keep you living in, in the South, yeah. So that when it the war ends, you're going to have that those funds available for you. And we have even a greater reality with the new heavens, new earth coming. That's right. And all this American currency is not going to matter then. And so, what can we do with our currency now so that we can have heavenly currency more? And and ultimately, really, it's not about having like you know treasure in heaven, like physical treasure, which which we we will have at some level. Um, Jesus alludes to it in some parables that there could be some reigning over cities and we're not sure exactly what it'll look like but ultimately it's having more of christ Mm -hmm. and that's what we want in heaven um we want to be with him forever and want to enjoy him and 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 so we want to increase that enjoyment in him and i just think about that edwards um jonathan edwards has this illustration about you know everybody will be full in heaven but different people have different size buckets, you know, or something like that. That's right. right. That's right. right. You, you're increasing your capacity for more of God. And I want that. I mean, mm-hmm. and it's just simple math. 
But Jesus doesn't just say, hey, this is a wise decision because it's stupid to invest in things that will go away. He commands it because it deeply connected to your heart. And so the next section talks about what do you look at? What are your eyes? Well, if your eye is evil, your whole body is full of darkness. And so there's a blinding power to greed in the way money works that most no, almost nobody thinks they're greedy. Everybody says they're they're not. In the, and, 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 and so what you look at what you gaze at, what you fixate yourself is what your, what your body and your heart will follow. Right. So if you're fixated on materials and possessions and your job success, that's going to be where your soul goes ultimately. Mm-hmm. And then finally, you talk about, um, he kind of escalates to what's, who's your master? Who ultimately calls the shots in your life? Do you, you, do you spend money as if you're the owner of it? Mm-hmm. The reality is we own nothing. We're stewards. And I love that definition about steward is that we are entrusted funds that don't belong to us so that we can manage it for the benefit of the owner. Yes. And so do you, Ross, just do, do I, Sam, do we spend money as if it's our own for our own benefit or do we spend it in a way where we're saying it's not ours and we want to use it in a way to benefit the purposes and agenda of our master? That's right. And, and so the way we look at our, the way we spend our money and handle our possessions really points to who's our master and who's our treasure. Yeah, and I think one reason this sin of greed can be so hard is because with most sins, there's some sense that something's wrong when someone's doing it. Like, like the culture kind of recoils at even pornography. Like, it does it, but it kind of, like, understands it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you just live a normal life of just using all your money on yourself and just saving up for your retirement... Yeah. No one would really seem to take issue with that. Yeah. Like that just be normal. Yeah. Um, so there's like it's 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 like a hidden sin in our culture. Yeah. Like there's no there's no conviction for it. Right. Like and the numbers show it. Right. The, if you look at any stat that measures charitable giving, Christian or non-Christian, the numbers are shockingly low. Mm-hmm. And as long as you can give here and there, you can feel like I'm pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good person. But but if you actually look at the statements at the end of the year, they show really where your heart is at. Because everyone kind of feels like they give. Right. Like no one's like, oh, I don't give. Like everyone feels like they give. Right. Yeah, I gave to the Salvation Army on Christmas, and I gave to this little thing, and I someone sent me a letter. But but the numbers show that Americans by far are not generous, which is very, very scary of what that indicates about where our hearts are at. That's right. And where our idols are at. That's right. That's a great point. Yeah. Um, so there was several things that we need to touch on for the what we what you weren't able to say on Sunday. Yes. I think you just, you, um, even during the sermon, you said, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. Yep. We need to talk about this. Now is our chance to get to talk about this. That's right. Get ready for a, a marathon. <laughs> so the first one that you brought up is gospel motivated giving. Yeah. What do you want to say about that? We just need to, we can't forget that, the Sermon on the Mount is an overflow. What does it look like to live out the kingdom, the values of the kingdom? And what would it look like? Keller says this. What would it look like if someone really believed the gospel? And that's what the Sermon on the Mount hmm. lifestyle looks like. Sure. And so giving is an overflow. You're not earning. Right. You're overflowing. And if, if you get that mixed and you're trying to earn God's approval with giving, then he doesn't want it. That's why Paul makes such a big deal in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 about the Macedonians. It's a joy. It's a, it's a joy. They're doing it not out of compulsion, but willingly. And they're doing it with a, the overflow. Um, 
Randy Alcorn mentions, grace is lightning. Giving is thunder. Lightning always comes first. Then you see the thunder. Thunder is an overflow of lightning, right? And it's the same thing. It's, it's giving is an overflow of grace. And if we're not grounded in that, we don't deserve anything. If all we've been given is mercy and grace from Christ, then we're going to be lacking in generosity and we're going to be forcing it. We're going to be legalistic. And so that's something that I just wanted to make sure we are only, we're only giving. And I said this in the sermon, I'm only saying, I'm just saying it again, because we can't forget this and easy to forget is that we're, what Christ has done to us, he wants to do through us. Mm -hmm. And so we are only giving because we have been given much. He's our generous, generous King who's laid down his life and gave to us. And so we're not, he's not asking us to do anything that he did not himself do at the greatest level. That's right. Yeah. And it's, I feel like money, physical money is just the picture and the reality is what Christ has done for us forever. And, and when you receive true wealth, true riches of the Holy spirit of Christ himself, all of a sudden that just, it changes the way you use the Mm -hmm. picture. The picture is going to point to that as your ultimate treasure and what that looks like is not holding on to the picture but giving the picture away mm. um, just like you've received and been given sure. um, and and the soul that hasn't received that wealth from Christ that, yeah. that hasn't received that that um, that tremendous gift from Christ is going to its fist is going to seize seize around money yeah. around the picture and, and look to that as its idol yeah. um, so there's really open-handed people and close-handed people. Yeah. And the only way your, your hand really opens up in the way God wants it to yeah. is you need to become rich in Christ. That's and, right. and if you have, it needs to, it needs to show in the way that you use yeah. your money. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and I think really, like, let me ask you this. Do you, do you pity the wealthy? Like the, the mega wealthy who aren't Christians? Not really. Okay. I probably should. <laughs> I probably should. See, that's an honest answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I was just I was walking at uh, Lake of the Saint Isles yesterday with during our kind of Sabbath family day, and I was looking at all these houses and I was admiring the architecture and I was like those are cool. Yeah, I just pitied them though. Mm. Man, you're gonna lose all of it, you know. And some of them could be Christians, and, and we're talking more about it because you can use wealth well and you can be rich and be a Christian and you can do it all well to the glory of God. It's just super hard. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus says, it's impossible, mm-hmm. but with God, it's possible. So let's just make sure that's clear. Uh, it's just very dangerous. It's possible, but it's just very hard to do. But I just pity them, man. How hard is for a rich man, to, rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, and um, and the, the, they just they have all this, and it gives them so many art, uh, reasons not to trust in Christ. Yeah, and I just I don't think that we understand comprehend how powerful money is and why it's so seductive. Yeah, like I think every one of us wants to control mm. other things and other people, and like. So the craziest thing happens with money. Like I can go up to you and say, make me a cheeseburger. Mm. And you'd be like, no. Mm. But if I walk up to you and yeah. you're in a restaurant yeah, yeah. and I say, make me a cheeseburger and I just give you this little piece of paper, yeah, yeah. you're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Like that's so much power. That is. And, okay. um, and, and if you have enough money, you essentially have enough power to do anything you want. As right. far as this life right. is concerned. Totally. And, and if you don't think that that's going to feed into each of our God complexes where we want to be like him, just yeah. having 
maximum amount of power. Yeah. We're wrong. That's good. Um, so I think we can kind of be dull to how powerful money is because it's just everywhere we use it all the time. Yeah. But it's just like, like money is just raw power. Yeah. yeah. And it's, I think that's one reason it's so, that's good. So, it's so dangerous. I was talking to Joanna. She's like, Hey, like, I think you should talk about money more than once a year because it's like, it's, it's why we do everything. Like mm-hmm. it's why people work. Like it's, it's a third of our life is revolved around getting it. Right. And so if you don't think about that rightly regularly, I mean, you're missing out a huge piece of our life. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's more than a third for most. Yeah. A lot of us wouldn't go to work if they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got, you got the rare people who are like, Hey, uh, do what you love. You never work a day of your life. But that's a very small, small sliver of people that's right. who have that. <laughs> I mean, I have that. We, amen. Yeah. Me so too. that's great. But, yeah. But like, seriously, like so much of what we do is motivated money and what, what's the number one cause of divorce, right? There's some, some conflict with money. Like these money is everything. And so we have to get this right. We do. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the yeah. next item on the list. Tithing. What are your thoughts on tithing? Go. Yeah. Well, t- okay. Uh, I have lots of thoughts on tithing and, and it's, um, something that is very, very important to think through. Because so many people mindlessly do it and others don't feel right about it. So they just avoid it because of some sort of background and with church abuse um, or all the, that we've seen the church abuse finances, I understand. And that's why I, I had such a long intro yeah. of how much it's it's reasonable why people are skeptical. That's right. Now, I grew up in a, in a home that taught me tithing. Um, did you? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know why. It just, I was told a tenth is the Lord's. That's right. That's right. The problem is, is it's all the Lord's. Amen. The tenth is supposed to remind you that it's all the Lord's. Right. And, and so here's a big question is, do us in the new covenant, are we called to tithe? Could you define tithing? Yeah. Tithing is, is basically an English term of tenth. Okay. But it's an Old Testament concept. You see it first show up with Melchizedek with Abraham giving a tenth to him. Right. And Melchizedek is another whole story of why he did that and, and who, who Melchizedek really another, is. Another podcast. Another, yeah, we'll probably never talk about it <laughs> unless we do a series on Hebrew. Um, but, um, and then when the law, Mosaic law was established, there they had tithes or, and, or first fruits. And there was actually three tithes, which is interesting. Okay. And there was a tithe that would be the, the Levitical tithe. What I mean by that is the uh, Levi priests, the uh, tribe of Levi had no property, no land. They weren't apportioned a land and they served in the temple, around the temple or the tabernacle, depending on the, the era. And so people actually gave to support them, these full-time quote unquote ministers. Right. And they would actually, the, the Levites would actually tie their tithe, they were given to give to support the, the priests. Okay, which is something newer that I didn't know. Which is a good pushback against people who are in full-time occupational ministry who don't think they have to give because they are giving their life. Mm. Well, if we have a robust idea that all work is to the glory of God, all good, healthy work, everyone's giving their life to the Lord. Right. So that's just stupid right there. Like that it's just an un- underdeveloped theology that all the Secular, work, sacred divide. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, yeah, people, I just meet with someone today and they said, yeah, I, my secular job, like, I understand what he means by that. It, it makes sense in the categories, but still, it's still, no, it's, it's a worshipful job, right? right. Um, 
if, if done in a certain way in Jesus' name, right? Um, yes. You, you can do it. But so there, there was three tithes. So there, there one was the Levite tithe. They had to do that to support the ministers. The second one was the festival tithe, which which was a the Feast of Tabernacles. The 10% um, happened every um, every just once a year, and it was a, it was a, a party. Mm-hmm. They would eat their tithe. Mm-hmm. It's unusual. And they would share it with others and foreigners and, and the poor. And so it was, it was money put into... John, John Mark Homer loves to talk about this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Does he? He's like, oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. They yeah. have to throw a party. Like, the, yeah, the, the, that's the right. Bible, you have to throw a party. That's, that's right. Awesome. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Well, in Soma, we talk about that too, yeah. right? A celebration is important, that's right? That's right. Um, you got to remember it was once a year. <laughs> and then uh, charity tithe was uh, the, the third tithe. And it was only every third and sixth year... And it was it was support the poor, widow, orphan, foreigners. Mm. So if you total those three ties, two of them that would happen once a year, and one of them that would happen every three years, that totals to about twenty three percent of total income for the average Israelite. Sure. Okay. The non Levite. Uh, well, I guess Levites would include that too. Yeah. For the for for the Israelite. So when we say tithe, it's interesting because New Testament we talk about tithing. Um, a, a lot of New Testament Christians, and we say 10%. Sure. So if we want to be consistent... Come, drawing back to the Abrahamic pattern when yeah. we first see it, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I think they, they, they dropped the Old Testament. I remember growing up at church, and they said, yeah, it was so understood in the New Testament uh, people, the New Covenant people, that they just only talk about. Because mm. uh, this fundamentally comes back to the question is, what do we? what are we under as New Testament Christians? Right. In the Mosaic Law, right? And you and I have... Um, are on the same page with that, but this we don't have time to go over. But essentially, we're under the law of Christ. Yes. Loving God with all heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you take that as your lens and you put the whole Mosaic law through the lens of those two commands. Right. And out pops what the New Testament Christians are under. Right. So if, Which the New Testament specifies for us. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, so, th- so then really, so the answer is, are we under the tithe? No. Yeah, I guess one question I have for you is, does the New Testament ever command us to tithe? Yeah, Jesus seems to affirm Jews pre-cross to do it when he talks about you should have, um, you know, uh, when they say, hey, we tithe mint, dill, cumin. Um, he said, you should have done that, but you should also care about justice. Right. right. So he seems to affirm that they were doing that. Um, you do, but, but you're still in the era there where yeah. it's still, still the old covenant is operating. That's like right. Christ hasn't. Yeah. Died right. and resurrected. The temple still hasn't been destroyed by the Romans. Yeah, yeah. You don't ever hear percentages. You you mm-hmm. hear Paul say like in the in the fir- the first of the the week like um, bring bring a certain amount you know to the the gathering or whatever because it was it was for the Jerusalem offering to yeah. support the poor in Jerusalem. Yeah, and then you see the Macedonians highlighted in Second Corinthians eight nine, and then you see other passages that sound like Levitical priests kind of concepts where he says, hey, share all those good things with those who teach you. Um, and in the pastoral epistles, you talk, you see about certain elders who are labor and preaching and teaching are worthy of double honor. And the context is talking about finances. And so it seems like there's still a Levitical kind of principle, principle right? That there's some people who are full-time giving themselves to occupational ministry to serve the God's people. Yeah. That's still not saying it's better than someone who's working full-time at a secular Secular job. I'm using that terminology. <laughs> there, I just did it myself. Uh, it's hard. Non, it's hard to be consistent. No, well, no, it's ministry. Yeah, too. non-occupationally church-related connected job. <laughs> very, very, yeah, yeah. 
um, that, that, they, that you need to receive funds. Like Galatians 6, share all the good things with those who teach you, right? So this idea is if they want to teach you well and shepherd you well and lead you well, they need to put a lot of time in it. Sure. And so therefore it's required for them to have funds. And yes. so that's why you give to your local church. We'll talk about that more later. But um, and so into the new t- new covenant, it, it doesn't seem like they talk about the percentages. It's more like it's all the Lord's. Yeah. Here's here's one verse I want to read. Yeah. Second Corinthians nine seven. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Yeah. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. I see two essential commands in this verse. You have to give. Hmm. And you have to give cheerfully. Yeah. But it doesn't specify how much because it says, as yeah. you decide in your heart. That's right. That's right. That's my theology of New Testament yeah. giving. Right. Yeah, there you go. That That is my mind. That's the clearest verse we have. Totally. And it's overflowing out of grace, right? That Which is the yeah. whole chapter before And you that. decide it. You have to decide it. And that's why I, I'm against the idea of just giving only sporadically whenever you feel like it. Right. There's, a, there's an intentionality in the giving. Right. To be able to be generous. And mm-hmm. what's the hope? Is so you can be abounding in good works. So you can bless the ministry of what, what the Lord is trying to do. Yes. Um, the, another term for tithe is also first fruits. And I think mm-hmm. it's helpful for Christians to think about first fruits. So and what's the first fruit uh, agriculturally? Yeah, just the, the, the first of the harvest, right? It's given to the Lord. Yeah. And I think there's something very powerful about first fruits reminding you that everything is the Lord's. Uh-huh. Provided you use that terminology, um, there's a way to not use that terminology well. Like um, Steve, <coughs> Steve at our church talked about how he loved tithing because the night, and he, I think he was making enough income at this time where he loved that idea because the other ninety percent was his. Hmm. So he could do whatever he wanted with ten percent God, ninety yeah. percent mine. No, it's hundred percent God. Ten percent is especially set apart, or you don't have to say ten percent, but the first fruits. And so, first fruits. Um, I think we we have arbitrarily said ten percent. I don't know where we get that, but I guess the first of the I, I whole. Think, I think the pattern of that makes Abraham sense. and Melchizedek yeah. is a good place. Yeah, that's, that's like that kind of works. the first place we see it in the Bible. Yeah, um, yeah it works. Yeah, so I that, think that's what I give right now. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's where I'm at. Ten percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's helpful to to say, hey, whatever money comes in, man. Give a tenth to the Lord through the church and, and other ministries. We can talk about that again in, in a few minutes. Um, as a reminder that it's all the Lord's. Yes. But you have to use that terminology carefully lest you you start compartmentalizing finances. Yes. Um, and so I just got a tax refund. And I was like, oh, great, tax refund. It's, it's like, all yours, right, Sam? Yeah, it's all the Lord's. <laughs> and I reminded myself of the Lord's by making sure um, uh, a certain percentage was kicked out to, to him through the church. Um, yeah. right away before I used it for anything else. That's good. Um, and so I think first fruits is a helpful terminology. So for, for a practical application for, for our church members, you know, whenever any money comes, like whether it's through a random grandma or anything, Hey, it's an increase. That's right. Remind yourself. It's not yours. Kick it, kick it to the Lord through the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a helpful reminder that keep our finances in check. However, here's what I would say. Um, I like the terminology that tithing can be used. And I'm not going to use the word tithing. I, I like to use the word first fruits. But um, or, um, tithing or first fruits um, is often term used as um, people call it training wheels of sure. giving, and you kind of ramp up towards it. And there, there's a book called um, The Money Challenge by uh, Art Rainer, and he talks about a way to for to get someone who's not used to giving at all. Like it's very hard to just jump into ten percent or higher if you're not used to it because you have all these kind of lifestyle choices that 
your money is kind of frozen in different things. Right. And so he has a way to ramp up from like two, 1% all the way to 10%. It's pretty helpful in, in his book. Sure. The Money Challenge, which is only 100 pages, really worth reading if, if you're unfamiliar with any of this. Um, and uh, I think that's a helpful way to think about it as training wheels to practice setting apart money for the Lord with the hope and prayer that it's going to increase. So you said you're at 10% and I pray that it grows. Yes. It grows as, as you mature in the Lord and your income changes. And, because and my giving shouldn't look the same 20 years from now yeah. as right now because that, that mm-hmm. I didn't grow in, right. in maturity and giving. Right? Yeah, like and that. generosity and, and the grace and, and the way you live. Yeah. Um, it could be lower though, but it could be more in other ways. What I mean by that is you look at Jesus's measure of generosity in his, the way he talks about the widow and two mites and also Paul's affirmation of the Macedonians. It's not how much they gave, but how much they had left. Hmm. And you may have a season, let's say 20 years now that you have like 20 kids. Oh, Lord, please. And, and, oh gosh, (laughs) any, any eligible bachelorettes out there know that Ross is expecting a a full quiver, big house. Um, but but perhaps there's a season where you're taking care of you know aging parents and this and that and and you're giving in other ways. Sure. But your percentages to the quote unquote church would look different. That's right. Um, and so it just it just our lives will look different. And so that's why each gives as they decide in their heart, and there needs to be regular re- reassessment. Yes. Of giving and percentage. But I think that the first fruits is a good training tools, uh, training wheels. And what we talk about at our church is we encourage members to commit to 8% to the church proper and then having 2% set aside so you can be actively looking for people to get blessed. And I love that. So that's what we did with our tax refund. We said that 8%. So we took our tax refund plus our, my monthly salary. We took 10% of that set aside. 8% of it was to give and then 2% uh, to, to the church, and we kicked it away right away. And then 2% was set up, and so it was a couple hundred dollars, whatever it was, $300, or I don't know what it was. And then we're just looking. How exciting. You know, someone had a need. Um, I know that the, the Hassans were doing some foster care, so we bought them a DoorDash meal. Hmm. Got you some soup because you were sick the other day. That dude, that came, was great, that man. Came out I of love that pho, dude. Yeah, that was good pho, yeah. right? Um, and was that actually pho? Pho, yeah. Oh, I thought it was um, pho. Yeah. Uh, you can call it pho. But no pho. See how that goes for you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and so like it's so great. To, it, it, and it was exciting. Like who can we bless? Mm. And uh, I love that. That's so sweet. And, yeah. what, and I think you're right that depending on my circumstances, it might be a lower percent. But something a friend of mine shared with me once, and him and his wife make a ton of money, and they're going to have more than they know what to do with. Um, they said they they try to increase a percent every year. Yeah, that's like, great. Like, they start at 10, but next year we're doing 11. Yeah. Next year we're doing 12. Yeah. Next year we're doing 13. That's great. Like, just grow in it. And, and you know, assuming no big life changes happen. That's right. Like, I'd probably want to. I know, think that's ideal. You know, like, can, can, you, can you build on where you've been? Yeah. Um, is it, is, can you measure growth in giving? I'm good. Which, which kind of gets to our question is how much to give, how much do you need? Yeah, I think that's our right. next one, right? Uh, two. We'll, we'll skip one. You want to skip down we'll, to that one? And we'll go back to it. Yeah, okay. since we're talking about it. How much do you give need versus how much to give? Unpack that. In the book, God and Money by Bomber and the other guy, <laughs> two Harvard businessmen, who, um, business <laughs> students who, uh, Ross, stop coughing. I'm trying to talk. <laughs> Sorry, man. Yeah, Ross, black is, lung over here. Ross has been sick for so long. Um, they, they gave me an inhaler, though, so I should be better soon. There you go. Yes. Um, 
that, that they basically wrote this book um, after having just an encounter with God in their finances and they were realizing they were hoarding up. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic book, really, really helpful. Wow. And they talk about a really great way to switch the thinking is not ask how much should you give, but how much do you need or how much should you keep? Sure. Great illustration of this was John Wesley. Probably he was unhealthy in other ways the way he lived, but um, with finances. But one aspect that he was exemplary is when he started off his ministry, he realized he needed only, I think it was like 30 pounds okay. a year. Uh, and he barely made over 30 that first year. So he gave that one pound or whatever away in England. Um, oh, well, he lived in the States too once he moved here. I don't know what, where he was. Well, he stayed in England oh, did when, he? when Whitfield came over here. That's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I know he had some movement. But you just finished Whitfield's biography. I'm, right? I'm just about done with volume one. Yeah. Okay. It's so good. There you go. There you go. Good, good recommendation. Um, yeah. And, um, but then the next year he made a little bit more. But he still lived on 30. And the next year, a little more, and then more and more. And by the time, towards the end of his life, he was still living on 30 and giving so much away. Sure. And he was even raided by the government because they're like, dude, this guy's making so much money. He's not. We're, you know, we're, we need more money for the silver tax that they instituted. And he had like so nothing. Him? Yeah, they raided him. And, and he had like nothing. Hmm. And, um, and he just explained why. And. Um, I, I'm butchering the story for those who are very, very, um, you know, well learned in, in the specifics. But the concept is, I think, really helpful yeah. is look at your finances, your life situation every season, factor in things like retirement savings and things that are healthy and important for you so that you can abound in giving long term and good works and then figure out what you need. And then everything extra that comes in, hey, you already have what you need. Why do you need to keep it? Mm-hmm. So if you get a random inheritance from a you know, passed away family member, or you get random windfall somehow. Well, great. You already know what to do with it. It's the Lord's and you're going to give it away. That's right. Because instead of thinking, I love this line, dude, this is one of the money lines. I have it written down um, on a sticky that I see regularly. When your income increases, your standard of living should increase, but your standard of giving. Hmm. It's from Wesley again. That's good. We have it flipped, right? The moment your income increases, you immediately think, what can I do now with this? What car can I get? Yeah, what TV can right. I get? And the income increases. Hence why when they do the, did that study of like, hey, they talked to people in the $50,000 tax bracket. How much would you need just to get all the things you need and fit your needs? And they'd say, oh, just 70000 right? Yeah. And they, they talked to 70 people in the $70,000 bracket. Surprise, surprise. Oh, if we just made ninety. Mm. Talk to the 90 people. Oh, yeah, if we just had 100000 Well, the reality is there's never enough. Right. And so set hard cap yourself. And you can reassess with community and other wiser people and, and on a, you know different seasons as life changed and reassess so that you pre-decided what you need so that you don't have to make those decisions when extra money comes your way. Mm. Give it away. Great. That's great. It's the Lord. And it's freeing. It's so helpful. That's really good. And so the question is not, am I making too much? The question is always, am I keeping too much? That's right. And I think there's actually some pressure in our society right now, like that if you're making too much, there's something yeah. wrong with you. Yeah. I don't. I just don't think that's that's healthy or moral financial that's right. pressure. I think the real pressure in the scriptures is what are you doing with what you make. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's good. Yeah. 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 Immediately, like, and and obviously there there are some legitimate things to some of the arguments, but you know they immediately say, oh, this CEO makes this much money, right? And all of the employ- the average employee makes this much money. And that's like, immoral for the right, CEO immoral. to make that. Much. Well, I mean, I. You know, the one I'm thinking about is Jeff Bezos, and I know he's not living for the Lord, but 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 That's let's true, yeah. he could, 
Let's say let's say he he is. Let's say he gets born again. Okay. I hope he makes a lot so he can just be ridiculously generous and right. live like he's not. And I think this is really helpful. Like just because you make a lot doesn't mean you should have the signs that you make a lot. Sure. And that's why it's so beautiful when you hear about millionaires who are like undercover millionaires. You don't know they are mm. because they drive a regular car and they don't have the Rolex. Right. Right. They're not showing the symbols. And so much of wealth in our culture is is showing like this is what I'm worth. We find worth in what we are wearing or what we're driving. And that's why name brand is so silly, right? Like if you go to Rodeo Drive or whatever, that, those places in, in Beverly Hills, you can buy like a t-shirt that's hundreds of dollars. That's just like literally just a basic t-shirt. It's decent quality, but yeah. it's just because there's a name on it, it's all of a sudden worth hundreds of dollars more. It's just mm. insanity. Like, oh man, I mean, the, I mean... Oh man, the, the prophets would have their, a heyday with us, you know, um, of, of just the, the way we live and, and, and all the poor in our, in our society. Anyway, I digress. <clears throat> but I think that's a really helpful question. And I think it requires community, requires yes. careful thought and requires someone who's deeply rooted in the gospel. Because if you're not, it's going to be legalism. That's you're right. always going to feel like I'm not giving enough or I, or I, or God just asked me to. No, 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 no. It's all out of grace. And you're, as you grow in the gospel and maturity, you're going to grow in your generosity. Yes. And, and I think the telltale sign that you've departed from giving out of grace is if you stop being cheerful when you give. Yeah. If it's not that's joyful, right. there's something wrong in the that's heart. Right. Yeah. And that's why I'm encouraging to, for us, our members to give either physically or digitally and not have it on auto. Do we want to go to that one right now? Yeah. We can jump to that okay. because it, every single time you can, even though we'll lose heart. money from what we're, yeah. What we're telling you to do right now. We'll probably lose money because yes. people will forget. Yes. I, we'd rather have your heart. We'd rather have you mm-hmm. worship the Lord. And we'd rather have you make those decisions every month to say, Lord, we love you more. We trust you. And even though money's tight or even though we just lost this or even though this bill just came up, you get the first because you have all. Yes. I think it's it'll be so worshipful and powerful and long term would promote more generosity. That's right. That's right. There's something. There's something <laughs> – sanctifying something helpful about making the decision to give every month yeah. where you put it in the box or you click the button on yeah. the website yeah. rather than out of sight, out of mind. Well, we're not the IRS. You know how like, you know, like your social security and your, your taxes come out and you yes. just see it on the giving and then the statement, you're like, you feel robbed. Right. We want you to just give cheerfully and, and intentionally. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, so again, and, and I you said the sermon you should give in the box. It doesn't have to be the box, but it can be the website too. Yeah, yeah. As long as you're, because that's what I do. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if Ross is in school, no, no. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I overspoke that. But I, I think it's, um, yeah. It's, it's. It, I think it's going to be really powerful for okay. for all of us if we do that. So now jumping back a little bit. Um, so we we established that you should set a lifestyle cap and yeah. just be prepared to give everything above that. Yeah. That's very challenging. I think I need to think through that more. Right. Um, but it sounds right. But you should also know have a plan where that money goes, right? Yeah. So where where should you get that money? Um, yeah. Local church, parachurch, personal giving. Yeah. Where where does this money need to go? Yeah. Um, it it's just hard for for me and you to speak about with, with without feeling we're biased. But when we look at the text, it seems like the church has the Parachurch ministries didn't exist in the New Testament church, like in the in, in, in the in the first century church. You didn't see them. No. So so we don't have categories for like 
FCA or you know whatever or crew or or many other organizations that are worthy of support. Um, and um, yeah, I just said FCA because that came on mind. I'm not saying that the, the top place for you to support, but by the way, I, I think it's a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, of course. Yeah, every FCA is different, right? Every, That's right. Every, every group's different, but um, <clears throat> I, I think. When you look at the New Testament text, you, you hear things like you want to support your your elders who labor in preaching, teaching, share good things with those who teach you. And it seemed like they brought things together. Paul Paul explicitly says, bring it together the first day of the week. So they're, they're gathering to the church. And even Acts 6, you see this picture of <clears throat> money being brought to, to a centralized place with apostles. Yes. And they're distributing, the it, yeah, they're distributing it with the widows. And you see really only two categories of giving the money from the church going to only two people, two kinds of people. You, you see it to the widows and you see it to the pastors. Those right. are the only two explicit categories we see in the New Testament. In other words, the only two people who wouldn't otherwise be able to hold a job. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And so if you are part of the church, which hope you are, you are committed to helping your pastor serve you and equip you. Right. Um, this is not self-serving because this is ultimate so we can serve you better. And again, like at our church, we want to really curb against the abuse. And so all of our, everything is available. Right. You guys know how much we make to the, to the dime. That's right. And, and so um, it's, why, why are we receiving money? I, I heard one professor say, it's just not because we're more important or anything like that. It's so that we can be freed up to serve you. That's right. That's it. That's, that's all. That's good. And so I think the primary needs to go to the church and... Um, and when it's, and when the pattern is it was laid at the apostles' feet, the apostles were establishing the church. Mm-hmm. So that in yeah. the Bible, the, the, right. the pattern is the money That's right. comes in and is distributed through the That's elders right. at the local church. That's right. And so right now, I'm not giving 10% to APC. Um, it's a little less. And then we give close to 20% because we have already commitments to other missions, organizations, and people. Yes. And, uh, and so what we try to do is um, try to make sure the majority goes to the local church and extra goes to other things. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm giving extra to APC when I get extra windfalls or anything that comes my way. Sure. Um, because I know our, our situation, what we need, and we want to continue to give more our church. That's right. We want to – how great would it be if we had a um, tuition fund, you know, to train up more pastors – and money to train up more of our members to, to do certain occupations that they can be um, salt and light where they go or money for mortgages so, so uh, for, for down payment so people can live yeah. strategic places to live missionally. I mean, there's a lot of things we can do if, if, our, if we continue to grow in giving generosity with our people. That's right. But there are other good things. tangible things yeah. that would advance yeah. the ministry right in yeah. front of our And eyes. that's why we're trying to strip everything we can in our budget to only the bare minimums, you know? Right. And that's not, and we're not doing that so you can give the bare minimum. It's so that when you give more, we can abound. We, yeah, we can be strategic with this right. instead of just that's right. throwing it down the drain of whatever we are already committed to. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and so that's a big deal. Um, we so so yeah, extra goes to yeah. If you have extra, go go give to a missionary, give to other parachurch ministries, give to other people you see. And I would encourage you to to, to try to give as much as you can in the context of relationships. Have with people, yeah. Keep it local, local church, yeah. People in your community, you yeah. know. Um, I don't. I think there's this push in our in our day to give more to like global poverty relief and like like this like you yeah. know like let's heal the world. Um, I'm not gonna say it's all bad, but I would encourage you to watch 
the documentary Poverty Inc. Mm. That like it's not as clear cut as if I just give money to the to this organization, it's going to help these yeah. people across the world. Um, it's just more, way more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, when Helping Hurts is a helpful book to read. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I I just don't I don't think we should necessarily like. I think I think money used locally in relationship specifically is more strategic than yeah. pouring it into the ocean of global need. Unless you know those global people and what they're doing, and it's connected to the local church, like the Saints of Jerusalem from yeah, Corinth. That's right. Like, like Paul's literally coming saying, "Hey, I'm giving this to them." Right. Yeah. But and that's different though than I'm giving money to stop AIDS in Africa. Yeah. Or that's right. You know, and not that it's bad to stop AIDS in Africa, or bad to or yeah. to to give shirts to kids in Africa. Sure. But it's just, there's some really complex economic realities yeah. that, that make that right. maybe a less strategic yeah, I mean, source of giving. And, and that's why the church is plan A for Jesus to change the world. If you have healthy churches that are actually making disciples, they should be deeply affecting the economics and the, the, the well welfare of the people in their community right. long term. And, and there's an understanding work. of their communities and their people to be able to give that right, money in a way context, that, right. that doesn't I mean, wound the people. Yeah, like I, I'm just reading, I'm reading Insanity of God right now by Nick, Nick Ripken. He's talking about this crisis in Somalia and how he would be there and work with the UN and the UN would just drop food and supplies. And immediately he's just swapped up by the drug cartels and the, to the tribes and they're, they're using it for their own purposes. Hmm. Like it's just not that simple and we just want yeah. it to be simple. And relationships like poverty affects us spiritually uh physically relationally and it's just complex and if and that's why it's so powerful doing do the local church that's right they know that if they're doing well yes yeah many don't do well just to be clear but yeah, yeah and just another example um i've heard of t-shirts getting dropped into countries in africa and as soon as they land all the local clothes makers are out of business totally yeah yeah so it's just like we're high-fiving ourselves because yeah. we feel good we don't give a rip with other people really we just feel good about ourselves that's it's the right. same thing like tom's tom shoes I'm going to get flack for this, but Tom's shoes is terrible. Hmm. You know, it's terrible. Their mission statement is like shoes for life. No, no, it should be shoes for seasons so that they can empower the local business people so they can take care of their own people. Right. You don't want to give shoes for life for these kids. You're totally crippling the ability for the people to take care of themselves. And you're creating this uh, dependency culture and like, you know, this white Messiah complex where you're coming in and you're giving shoes and you're documenting and you're basically using your one story, people feeling good about themselves. Yeah. And then you... Much, much better to support a local missionary church planter yeah. on the ground who's building a community that understands the community and knows right. the people yeah. and is able to alleviate poverty totally in a helpful, wise way yeah. rather than a indiscriminate. Raise up some shoe cobblers, you know, right. to take care of. If they have elephantitis and issues with their feet, anyway, I, I'm going to get crazy on that one. But, like, I just know that, like, it's so, like, cool. Like, you got your cool, you know, shoes from Tom's. Yeah. And I, it's I, virtu- I it can be virtue signaling. Yeah, like, virtue signaling. Look at like, me. Like, yeah. I'm generous. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes so. it hurts more than it helps. Again, right. when helping hurts, so good. Yeah. Um, but so I think local, I think the Bible talks about giving locally, yeah, and keep keeping it. Yeah, yeah. I still I mean I still give the pair of stuff. Sure, I, I do I do right now. It's not all bad. Yeah, no, it's, it's not, not all bad. bad. Yeah, it, it shouldn't necessarily be the priority. It's not the priority, and it should be thought through. Yeah, when we say especially, we don't mean don't do the other, and we're not just saying that because we're trying to be well nuanced. No, I, I literally give to other people who are doing parachurch ministries and other things like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that can be really. And I know like compassion children like yeah. that does good stuff, and yeah. so it's not, I'm not trying to Could say be, yeah, the yeah. whole the whole thing sucks. Sure, but, sure. Um, yeah, 
Well, we better keep moving. Yeah. Oh, my. Okay. So um, let's jump to the savings next thing. And savings and retirement. Yeah. I, I, I. Some people wrestle like, oh, should we save for retirement and this and that. And, and the Bible isn't very, very thorough on this. Right. And it takes wisdom. And Piper says we can't retire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, yeah. Yeah, John Piper <laughs> says that. Yes, yes. Um, it, so whatever that says, whatever that means to you, if, how much weight, sway he has. But I think his point is we never retire. Like It's all the Lord's we give to him. Right. Right. Um, and and the mindset is is it's all the Lord's. And so for me, this is something I've been convicted to in, in just in the last couple of years. We started saving for retirement. We got a Roth IRA and so forth. And I even got things like a life insurance policy so that my wife can have some money um, in the event for a season if something happens to me. Yeah. Why am I doing that? Definitely not out of fear. Definitely not out of greed for the life insurance policy or for the um, uh, retirement. Yeah. But so that I can be more generous then mm-hmm. and I can abound in good works. And it just all comes down to the motivation and the why. Right. And the book of Proverbs talks about like, you know, the labor, you yeah. know, you know, the, the ant working hard and, yeah, and, and saving take, up and yep. saving up. And I think, I think we're in a new era of world history where for most world history, you just kind of worked until you dropped dead. Yeah. But now with our medical advances, like totally. there's a period where you're going to be probably be alive, but you won't be able to work. Well, and here's the issue right now. I learned this from the book, how to think about money by, uh, Jonathan Clements. It's not a Christian book, but he's, he's talks about the new crisis now is people are living longer than they thought they would. Sure. Because life expectancy, well, it, it just recently started dipping, which is really interesting about our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Amer- American life expectancy is recently have been, has been trending oh, yeah. downward, but still it's longer than it's ever been. Right. And people are actually running out of retirement money and it's a big scandal right now for them. Sure. Um, and we don't even know if social security will be around by the time, you know, yeah. you and I, God willing, if, if the Lord tarries and we're going to be around for another 50 years or more years. That's right. But saving for retirement so you can go play golf yeah. and saving for retirement so that you're not a burden to your church community yep. and you can continue to minister and serve. Yep. That's two vastly different things. That's right. And I think the third option is not saving. Yep. I think that's unwise. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, yep. that's, um, yep. thrusting yourself on other people right? because we just can't let people just starve. Right. right? And, and, and there, there is a level where you want to trust the community and some people are very self-sufficient. They're like, oh, I want to just do it for my, I don't want to be a burden. And it's very like law centered and man centered. Right. right. There's a way to do it because you want to be a blessing, not because you don't want to be a burden. Like it, the mindset should There's be a blessing. Either side. That, that's right. That's yeah. right. And we want to be very careful. And some of it is just being good stewards. Like, if you put a certain amount of money a month aside, the S&P 500 and, 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 and you know, basically the, um, if you invest into the stock market, long term, it's predictable. To day to day, it's not. It's going upward. Yeah. It's going up. And unless all finances fall apart and we have run a cryptocurrency or gold or silver or barter system, who knows what's going to happen 50 years from now. Right. It, that's, it, if you put a certain amount, it's going to multiply itself exponentially so that you can then abound in go- good works. That's right. And so you could maybe put in $100,000 over the course of X amount of years, but then you may have 500000 mm-hmm. You know, and that now you can be more generous. That's right. Yeah. And part of, and I'm saving right now, and part of the reason I'm saving is so that I don't have to, when I buy a house or car, I don't have as much interest to pay. Yeah. And so I don't become mm-hmm. in need of salary, more salary, more help. Like it's more sustained. My lifestyle is more sustainable if I That's save. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So I think there's some wisdom there. And I would say that the book God and Money, out of all the stewardship books I know, gets into the details a lot better. Especially for those who are making higher incomes and who are working in the business world. Not many of us. Yeah, not many of us. And, <laughs> and I'm not as helpful. I just know Bible stuff. 
But um, for those who are in that world um, and, and making high levels, that book is a must read for you. Okay. Do we have time for any more? I, th- I think so. Okay. What about debt? Debt. Debt is bad. Okay. But debt can be leveraged. And I would say it is definitely, we, we, we have one member right now who has lots of debt um, and it's not school debt. It's, it's um, credit card, okay. which is, you know, 18, 20% oh. you know, interest and it's crippling. And their whole life is based off of having to make decisions off that. And they're limited in their giving, in their generosity of time because of that. And so I think we had a generation of uh, boomers who gave advice to my generation, your generation. Yeah. Terrible advice about college hmm. where so many are crippled in debt. I mean, you, you graduate from Northwestern. How many people do you know graduated with 50 plus $100,000 of student loan debt? Few of them, yeah, yeah, and and they're they're no they're not able to abound in good because they're supposedly a good investment, right? And and now we have things like trade schools, we have online, all these other options that really it's all about connection and hard work rather than do you just have a degree? Everyone has a degree almost now, like it, right. it's it's very and the, the new it's like thing a high school is, right? The new thing is masters now, like almost yeah. everyone has a masters now. It's like it's it's so ubiquitous, so common that we can't trust just having it is gonna and to just be perfectly right. honest, the quality is lower than ever. Yeah, I would agree. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole other thing, education. But so like avoid debt, like the plague and, and live within your means. And, and again, we can't cover all those because everybody's life is different. And maybe a mortgage is a good debt. Yeah. If you have a two or 3% interest rate on your mortgage. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a whole other thing. You know, I have mine and mine's close to four. Okay. But we have renters and we have other ways to, to abound in good works. And we have six bedrooms and we have, you know, uh, we're fostering kind of right now. Kind of, it's kind of a weird situation, you know, and we're, we have other ways to bless people with our home. Yeah. And so it's just, again, it's because you want to abound in good works. And I, and I think just a good rule of thumb is just li- trying to live without debt is just living within the limits God has kind of placed. That's right. You. That's like, right. Like, I think debt can be trying to reach beyond those limits. That's right. It's like, especially if it's consumer debt, right? Yeah. Because I want more things. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, maybe a medical bill comes up that you just got screwed, but, um, but like, yeah, just this like idea. God gives you this much money, and you're saying, "No, I yeah. I want this lifestyle." That's right, and that can be unhealthy. Yeah, yeah and, and here's the big question that asks is: Should you be giving when you're in debt? What do you say? Yes, I think you should always be giving. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. you set that precedent and let the Lord blow your mind away and how He can provide for you. Yeah, yeah. Don't say one day I'll give. No, no, no. If you don't give now, you won't give then. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think anyone should just give one dollar, but I really believe that there's a big difference between going up there and putting $1 in there because mm-hmm. you're dead broke and yeah, you yeah. have $40 million yeah. in debt and you're just going to put that in there yeah. to, I'm just too broke to give it all. Yeah. That, that seems it's to a, me to be it's a poverty mindset. And right. It's, it's a lack of generosity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it, that's, it's powerful to give even when you could give more to your interest payments. That's you know? right. And give uh, something. That's my yeah, plea. Yeah. Give whatever it is, just give something. And you, and, and the cry is, God, I want to give more, but I can't because of these debts. That's you know, right. Some of those debts could have been thrown upon you, not your fault, like a, a medical debt or something like that that happened. I don't want to mm-hmm. throw everyone under the bus. Yeah. Um, statistically speaking, most people it's self-inflicted, but there are those who it's happened through uh, a, a series of unfortunate events. Right. But, but in either case, still give and it, you want to keep building that generosity heart and, and saying, God, you're first. You're and first. I, I my think money's the widow, the widow with the two, totally. is, is the paradigm for that, right? right? Like, right. like it, it becomes more precious to God the, the more financial pressure you have when you continue right. to give. Absolutely. And then look at the end of Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 19 to 24 was our text, but then the next passage, do not be anxious about anything. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he, he buffers the fear of, hey, if I'm going to store up treasure in heaven, how can I take care of my family, my kids? And are you telling me that? Are you just like, forget about them? And no, yeah. no, 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 he'll provide. He knows you. He knows every hair in your head. That's right. It's, it's a powerful thing. All right, la, la, we're, we're, we're wrapping it up. Okay, how to enjoy good things and be generous. Yeah, I, I think this is super important to, to grasp because um, the, the easy ditch is, okay, now what, what do we do? Spend nothing on us? You know, uh, do we only eat ramen noodles? Mm-hmm. Do we only like try to and, – and I remember uh, Francis Chan saying this. Um, he's – he said, uh, he told me that he one time went through a season where he was so paralyzed by this. He would just sit there and stare at the dollar menu at McDonald's or whatever for like five minutes trying to calculate, you know, like what's the perfect amount of nutrition ratio to the bang for the buck to make sure, you know, and like there's a way you can be paralyzed by this. But again, right. it's rooted out of grace because you want to abound in good works. And where, where I think it's helpful, you, you look at the Old Testament, uh, you look at this, these rhythms like the tabernacle, festival of tabernacles where they, where they gave a tenth so that they can celebrate. You see Sabbath where they celebrated on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. You see rhythms already in the Old Testament that I think can trans, transcend um, the covenants into our life where there's a rhythm of fasting and feasting. Yes. Until Jesus comes, there's more fasting than there's feasting. And I know this is a controversial thing. Some people would say there's more feasting than fasting. But until Jesus comes and makes all things new and we're crying out, uh, come Lord Jesus, I think there's more fasting than feasting because sure. the bridegroom has been taken away. And so so what I try to do is I try to live, um, for the most part, a life of simplicity. So I, I love how um, um, the, the, the money, money challenge says, give generously. Live appropriately, save wisely. Hmm. Give generously, live appropriately, save wisely. Sure. And so I try to do all three. And what appropriate living looks like most of the day is self-denial. And then maybe at the end of the day, I have a Izzy. Because Mm -hmm. it's like, ah, good. You know, like you want to have the rhythms of fasting and feasting. And then one day a week when we have a Sabbath family day, that's a day where we enjoy good gifts. We'll eat out. we're, We're just rejoicing in the new heavens, new earth that's coming. Right. But most of our week looks like self-denial and looks like simple living, even though we could live for more. Right. Even though we have that money if we needed to. And Paul, in First Timothy, he really pushes against the aesthetic lifestyle. Right. And he says... Um, it's a teaching of demons. Yeah. He's saying, he's saying food, everything's going to be received if it's received by Thanksgiving. Right. Which means that even though we live a life of self-denial, it can, we can and it can be good to go have a beach vacation to Florida. That's right. That's right. And that's why... Um, resource for that would probably be the things of the earth by Joe Rigney. Right. Even though he can't go too much into the details because the, the answer is, is it depends. It depends. And you need the Holy Spirit to lead you and you need the community of God to be close enough to your life so they see these things. Mm-hmm. Here, here's a good test. If you are not comfortable with someone looking at your budget and looking at what you spend, you're probably doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I just love like one of the members of our church like literally just show me my budget and tell me what, what, what's wrong. Yeah. Like that kind of humility and openness and Lord, Lord is, this is all the Lord's, you know? Yeah. Um, or if you need that vacation to stay mm-hmm. happy, like spiritually happy or yeah. like, how do I put this? If you come dependent on the vacation, yeah. but like, it's not just a refreshment, but it's like, Oh, yeah. I need to do this That's right. multiple times a year. Yeah. And um, then sometimes we have really expensive tastes of what's refreshing. So can you adjust your refreshment? Because the majority sure. world can be, ref- are you saying only, only these expensive things can refresh you? Right. Because the majority of the world in history hasn't had that. And did they all just suffer because they didn't have that really nice whatever? Right. Um, no, you're totally right. And I agree with that. But at the same time, 
I want to be careful. Because, like, I think maybe a trip to Manny's Steakhouse for your fifth anniversary. Like, you really want to b- blow, like, a couple yeah. of, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, Jesus says, and, the poor you'll always have with you. And, yeah. and he celebrates Mary to just pour out an alabaster jar. And it right. was freaking expensive, yes. right? It was like a year's worth of wages. Yeah. And so I have categories for that. Yes. So that shouldn't be the, the norm for the day-to-day. It should be, it should be normal in your life. And in seasons and in, in, in the rhythm of a year in the week, but not the daily. Right. And some people, they're just always feasting. Right. And they're just, they're neglecting the poor and they may have a story of how they supported someone here and there. But like, no, no, no. Overall, you are not being as generous as you could be. Right. That's right. That's um, good. And that's why it's so important for you to budget. So we have a budget set aside for vacation. So in the summer, uh, we're going to go to California for a couple of weeks to visit family. Right. And I'm going to eat In-N-Out Burger. And I'm going to rejoice and I'm not going to feel bad that I could have given that money and sent it to Africa because right. I know that the tenor of my life is generosity and self-denial for the sake of others. And I'm going to eat my stinking animal style fries and my burger with, to the glory of God yeah. and I'll worship him. And if you can't enjoy think, good things without feeling guilty, there, yeah. there's okay. a hard problem there. Again, grace. Yeah. It's overflowing out of grace. Right. And all, I think all this to say is that there's no hard and fast rules where we can say this is That's what right. you can do, this is what you can't do. Um, it's lifelong with growing in wisdom yeah. and understanding. That's right. That's um, right. So in every season, I'm just reassessing. I'm like, oh, you know what? That's that's. I need to make adjustments there. And oh, maybe we need to feast more here. You yeah. know, and it goes both ways. And I think there's probably people in the, our community you probably need to say something to, like maybe this needs to change. Yeah. And I also think that there's probably people we have said things to that we shouldn't have said. Yeah. Are you like, something? I don't remember what them. <laughs> And I'm not thinking of anyone or anything oh, okay, in okay, particular. Sure. I'm just saying that, like, yeah. I feel like it's so easy to let things slide, and it's also so easy no. to condemn something you shouldn't condemn. That's right. Like, they're both. Yeah, and that's why you need people who are walking closely by you to see your life. Not just, hey, dear Pastor John, here's a question I have about my finances. You know nothing about me, and I'm only giving the limited details that I'm telling you. No, no. I'm not bagging on Ask Pastor John podcast. But even Pastor John shares a story one time where one of his elders showed up with a BMW mm. and his first question to him was, what is that? Yeah. And it made him feel really bad. Yeah. And then he heard the story and he repented to the guy saying, yeah. gosh, because yeah. it, right. it wasn't a normal story. Right. And it that's was. why financial questions and lifestyle decisions need to be made in the context of community. Right. That's why we're so big about community at our church. That's right. So if you're trying to um, isolate finances <clears throat> and lifestyle choices in a vacuum by yourself, you are going to miss it. You need other people looking and you need other models in front of you. Oh, whoa, they're really happy and they live less on me. I wonder why. I'm so discontent and I make 30000 more. Mm-hmm. You, you need those people right in your face. You need those people who make less and more and have different uh, uh, palettes for different uh, vacations and things to constantly make us reassess that living in the tension is good. We don't yes. like it, but it makes us depend on the spirit and lean into the Christ and go deeper into the gospel. And we'll never have it all figured out. No. But we have to try to yes. do our best. Not, this is a subject you cannot be slacking. Yes. And that's why, as a segue, here are some resources. The Money Challenge is the is to my go-to for the most like basic and 100 pages, very easy to read, and it gives you three, 30 challenges to go through. Very awesome. helpful. Another really short one is the Treasure Principle, which is a, is a shorter version of Randy Alcorn's longer book, Money Possession Attorney, which is kind of like the the go, the the kind of uh, the one that started everything. The Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> but but you know there are other books out there. Um, but but those are some of the biggest ones. Um, God and Money that I mentioned. Um, and then if you want a more theological one that follows the trends of giving and possession to money throughout the Bible, there's a book called Neither Poverty Nor Riches, A Biblical Theology of Material Possessions mm-hmm. by Craig Blomberg. And that's a reference to Proverbs 31. 
prayer. Yeah, yeah. Which I would just recommend anyone reading that. It's, yeah. it's so it's mm. so sweet. Lord, give me neither poverty nor riches. Um, mm. What a sweet prayer. Yeah, right? Because if we have poverty, we, we may be tempted to steal. Yeah, but if we have riches, we may forget the Lord. Yeah. And so we want to abound in contentment and in and, and, and good work. So, man, you should preach on that text, brother. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, hey, we'll, we'll, we have more than one sermon to, to, to get on that. So yeah. uh, hopefully this is helpful. Uh, feel free to give us feedback and more questions. We, 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 we don't have any confidence that we nailed everything. And there's a lot of nuance in this subject. But again. Um, and we're like starting hour two of this program now. So yeah. You, better... you, you, you can't get this one wrong, right? Yeah. This is connected to your treasure and your master. Alert from system. All right. All right. Low battery. Low battery. Did you guys hear that? Low battery. My master died. That's our cue. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us.